Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. All right, RJ, as we kind of get back at it, we're back at it with a deep dive. This is fun. It is. It's been long enough. I mean, yeah, um, yeah it's certainly been a while. There's There's been quite a bit of demand. I think we've seen when's another deep dive coming, I've heard, but it's now. Uh, we've got enough news piling up over these playoff time, enough cracking news that we actually have some stuff to talk about now. I know that's always the the way it goes with the teams that miss the playoffs is like the playoffs will start and everybody, once you get through the exit interviews and stuff, like it, it's kind of radio silence, right? They're not going to re-sign anybody during the playoffs really in, until you get towards the draft and free agency. That, that just isn't anything, unfortunately. Um, but we do have some, some good stuff to talk about today. However, I do want to start, RJ. Do you know what was a couple days ago? Mm. You know, I think it was June 18th. I finally got one of your questions right. I, mean, I got it. It, it it was like you can yeah sure we'll, we'll i'll give you that one no it was national mascot day and um i just couldn't help but think like how amazing it would be to you know celebrate a kraken mascot <laughs> it really would be nice uh we've we've joked about it everybody's been joking about it but it was just it just kind of hit things home uh that you know that just didn't happen for whatever reason. Uh, we talked about it over a year ago uh, it, as far as our videos, like what we would do. Like I, I checked our, our mascot video was over a year ago, our mascot idea video. Like it's been going around and there's just there's just nothing. I mean, Nerf now has Murph and the Kraken. I know. Did you see that? <laughs> yes, of course I saw that. Come on. I got an email directly from Hasbro. Hey, you might be interested. And I was like, I'm not. But <laughs> but it did remind me that the Kraken don't have a mascot. Um, yeah. I, now I'm starting to think, though, we need one that that rhymes with the brand. So what rhymes with Kraken? Uh... Lacking. We're lacking a mascot. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. There you go. Put it all together. Yeah, I just checked our mascot video. That was March 26th, 2021. Yeah. That's and, that's a year and three months. Yes. And we were trying to kind of do that as like, a, hey, let's get ahead of maybe any team announcements because now might be around the time that they'd start doing you it. You were worried the, about missing it. Yeah, as the teams coming together and everything, you know, before they they head into the off season, where then it'll be all the hockey stuff with the expansion draft and free agency. Yeah, we were worried about being not being early enough. Ha. <laughs> Jokes on us. Yes, it really is. Remember um, when we talked about doing a second one? Yes. You know, maybe over 6 months ago? Yeah. I mean, maybe oh, maybe no. we do that over over the the dead times of August. We can That's a good idea. That is a perfect August idea. Yes. And we'll we'll put in we'll we can have some like fans give us some some criteria and stuff cuz I think one of them should be it has to rhyme with Kraken. One of Okay. Yeah, you know, if we come up with three <laughs> ideas, one of them has to rhyme with Kraken. Yeah. That, no, I love the fan submission idea. Everyone get your ideas ready cuz we're going to do this during the the uh the dog days of August when nothing's going on was, in the hockey world. I was going to say we we should just start this as like a thing anyway. We've got the community for it. Like we just as a community decide what the mascot's going to be and then just come together as a community and make said mascot. 
<laughs> there you go. Just do it for just him. Make it happen. We'll just we'll just crowdsource for the uh, billion dollar organization. Yeah, <laughs> they obviously I mean, can't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, you, if you want something done right or done at all, I guess you've got to do it yourself. Exactly. So, um, but there is there is some stuff we got to talk about before we can just get to brainstorming even more great Kraken mascot ideas. Uh, and that is the, the news that we've been missing out. You alluded to that it's been a little while since we've done one of these. So there is some news to catch up on. And I think the, the biggest piece of Kraken news um, is just about Chris Drieger and the injury. Yes. Uh, unfortunate news. Really awful, you know, news, especially for Chris Drieger. I know. My first thought with this, I, I guess I should say what exactly it is. And um, where it yeah, he had, yeah, what happened. I, so Chris Drieger uh, was playing in the World Championships uh, for his home country of Canada. He made it all the way to the gold medal game, and in that game, he tried pushing from left to right to try and stop a puck. Uh, his knee kind of is like jammed against the post, really. Uh, and right away, it was clear that he was hurt. Um, was hoping maybe it wasn't that bad because he was walking around in the medal ceremony after the game. Figured, okay, well, that's a good sign. Uh, but turns out the news is, I mean, just about as bad as you can get. Um, it is a torn ACL. He had surgery to repair that right ACL on June 6th. Uh, and the timeline, that's what really gets you. Uh, sounds like the return will be seven to nine months. Uh, so doing the math on that, that takes you out to January to March of 2023. So that is most of the season that the Kraken will not be able to count on Chris Drieger being healthy. Um, and it, it throws their goaltending situation into a, a very different dynamic than it would have been otherwise. Yeah, I mean, it went from an off-season of us thinking that the Kraken had to make a very difficult decision between who was going to be the backup to Philip Grubauer, whether or not it was going to be Drieger, or whether or not it was going to be Joey Decor. It, in a lot of ways, it answers that question. It's going to be Joey Decor, at least for the first two-thirds-ish of the season, I would have to imagine. Um, we'll get into the rehab timeline and and kind of where I realistically think he could come back uh, in a little bit. But yeah, I mean, we we were we all know the situation with Joey. He's not going to be waivers exempt this year. If they were going to need to bring him up at any point or whatever, he was going to have to pass through waivers. There is zero chance that he was going to make it through waivers in the in the goaltending needy world in which the NHL operates. Uh, so, you know, there was a lot of talk of, okay, one of them probably needs to be traded just because you can't afford to lose Joey for nothing. And you certainly can't hold on to three goaltenders through the course of a season. It just, it limits you too much. Um, so, and you just could never get them enough playing time and stuff. Like it's just, it's a, it's a really difficult situation there. So we knew that they were going to probably have to move one of them, um, we had speculated about the benefits of moving Drieger or moving Decor, which would be better, but now it, it doesn't matter because of the situation. Um, it's it's going to be interesting. There's a couple different aspects to look at it. I guess let's go ahead and we'll stick with Drieger's and we'll talk about that. So 
I was just trying to look up. I, I was never able to get a clear look at whether or not it was a partial tear or a complete tear of his ACL. And for those of you who don't know, AC, the ACL is um, one of the ligaments that runs through the middle of your knee. Um, it's, it's right in there. It's a very common athlete injury, mostly though in the sports, you know, the, the cleat and tennis shoe wearing sports where you're running around and doing stuff like that, because it's, it's one where that ligament will take a lot of, it, it, it soaks up a lot of energy whenever you try to plant and move laterally. You can even, if you're, if you're standing, uh, when you're listening to this, if you just kind of put all your weight onto one of your legs and at, at kind of slow motion, act like you're going to push to like make a move to your side. You'll feel all that energy transfer through your core, through everything down your leg. And you could really see how if your foot was planted and, and you really tried to do that explosively, um, it puts a lot of pressure on certain key points. You can feel it when you do that. And so it's, it's one that football players, you know, like think of running backs trying to make a move laterally cutting through a hole or something. That's where we see it. Most of the time, uh, a torn ACL basketball players, again, anytime you're trying to push off quickly and move laterally, it, it's just too much for it to handle just because of how it runs through your knee. I'll, I'll put up a graphic on the, um, the YouTube version of this. So, so people can kind of see where it's at. Um, but it is there's a big difference between the partial tear and the complete tear as far as how they can fix it and and what surgery looks like. Uh, partial tears are much much easier to deal with. Uh, sometimes it's as simple as just and again sorry if this grosses anybody out. Sometimes it's as simple as just stitching it back together. Um, those are the best ones because you can kind of keep everything. Uh, sometimes you'll need to you'll need to graft um, from a ligament somewhere else on. But again, if it's a partial tear, it's a lot easier to do that. Complete tears, it depends on how bad it was, how how clean the break was, how frayed everything is. Sometimes it's just there is no fixing that, and they just do. They'll they'll pull a, a ligament out of your arm, and then they'll they'll go ahead and sew that in. Um, they'll anchor it to the bone and everything, and uh, you have a new new ligament down there as your new functioning ACL. Those ones, the recovery time, it, it can vary, but sometimes it takes longer because of that anchoring process to your bone. It's not so much about the new ligament having an issue because it's a working ligament. It's just you, they're grafting a new ligament to your bone, and that stuff takes time, and that's what you have to worry about, um, building up the strength and making sure that that graft holds as you increase workloads and all of that kind of stuff. That's that's where things can get dicey. <laughs> uh, you don't want to push it too far, too fast or anything like that because that you, you don't want to deal with anything tearing away from the bone. So um, I was trying to get that information for Drieger as far as to whether or not it was a partial tear or a complete tear so we can kind of guess about where in that timeline he's going to land. I think just the fact that he's a goaltender and it makes sense that goaltenders are really the only people who should run into this problem in the NHL because of exactly the situation he was in, right? It's like I talked about, it's an explosive movement thing. You think about him planting his foot and trying to get leverage off of it to push cross crease like that. It makes sense. Everything had to run through his knee and something had to give. This is the, this is the weak point, so to speak, for something like that. Because of the fact that he's a goaltender and will have to make movements like that, I think he's going to be held out more towards the March part of the window they gave us rather than the January one. 
Again, I do not have specifics about his individual case. It's possible that the tear was just a partial tear and they were able just to kind of stitch it back together and that won't be the case because it's going to be a very a much easier rehab process. Um, but I, I just think because of the nature of his position and because of the stuff we talked about earlier, RJ, of you have the, the extra goalie situation, you know what I mean? Like it would kind of benefit them to hold him out longer until you can kind of get past the trade deadline. You don't have to worry about the roster size limit, all that kind of stuff. I, I just don't think we're going to see him in January. Right. And you touched on it there with the roster size limit. It kind of makes sense for the Kraken uh, if it is more on the March end of that, because after the trade deadline, there is no limit on roster size. So you can easily carry three goalies if you can just kind of make it to the trade deadline there um, before Drieger's fully healthy. Um, now, when it comes to the roster situation, because that's where it has the biggest impact here. We talked about the choice between Decord and Drieger. That's kind of made now. But it sounded like Ron Francis, at least if you take him at his word in the post, uh, in the end of season uh, media availability, was saying that they were not uh, feeling that they were forced to make a decision on that in the offseason. Mm -hmm. He was kind of asked, do you, do you kind of need to make a trade there or something? He said, no, well, you know. Driggs is our backup, and then if Joey comes in and has a good training camp, uh, you know, to force us to do something at that point, then we'll make a decision there. Uh, which at least made it sound like okay, they're going to hang on to both these guys, and they're going to risk losing Joey on waivers. He, I think he even said something to the effect of like, you know, then we maybe risk losing him on waivers, but there's lots of guys you risk losing on waivers. That's just part of you know what you go through after after. Um, so to me, it sounded like he wasn't exactly sold on on Decord as maybe a potential backup, someone who can take a lot of the workload off of Grubauer. And you look at Francis's position overall this offseason going into next season. I think there's a lot of pressure to win, a lot of pressure uh, that you can't have next season uh, and like this one did. And I don't know if he feels certain enough that Decord can go in and be the backup and play enough games to spell Grubauer to where he's comfortable. So it, it kind of also brings this question, do the Kraken go out and get somebody else? Yeah, and that's going to be an interesting one to to look at. Obviously, they don't have anybody in the, the prospect pipeline that's going to be ready to go. Um, it It is going to be interesting because I do think that, yes, we, we've talked about the struggles Decord had at the NHL level. Certainly that, that and, and kind of how the organization has treated him a little bit too, <laughs> certainly with that kind of fiasco for his last call up, um, didn't quite make sense to start him where they started him. Uh, but it's, I, I get it. And I don't think that he had a ton of confidence and I don't think that, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have a ton of confidence in saying that, yes, you know, with, with Drieger out, Decor should be playing 30 to 35 games for this team next year. I don't know that he can handle that. I don't know that that if the team is trying to be competitive for a playoff spot, that is their most beneficial thing. I think you don't want to overwork Grubauer, that's for sure. Uh, you run the risk of doing what kind of happened last year. Um, I, I just think him playing 60 plus games should not be what the Kraken wants. I think we're kind of no. on pace for that, looking at things now. Um, but it's it's hard because the goalie market is so competitive because everybody basically needs one every year, it seems like. So 
I don't know that the that there's going to be a lot of room for the Kraken to work with as far as trade markets go or um, even free agency, just because you're probably going to have to overspend one way or the other to bring somebody in. Agreed. And you look at how the tables have kind of turned on the Kraken with this. We were talking about how great it was. They had a goalie surplus because the goalie market, you know, everyone needs one. We're talking about maybe moving Drieger, getting a great return or moving to court, even get something good. Uh, and now it's kind of turned on its head where the Kraken might need a goalie. Uh, and it's so tough because you have so many other needs too. This is not a team that is, you know, a, a ready-made playoff team. And you're just kind of looking to add around the edges and okay, well now you need to prioritize here. You've got a lot of other bigger problems, I think, mm -hmm. that need to be addressed, and you only have so many assets to go do it. Um, as far as the trade market, I mean, yeah, you can maybe burn one of your second round picks to go get a goalie, but that's that's one less asset you have to acquire maybe a scoring forward or you know even a top nine guy or, or a puck moving defenseman. It's just they're finite possibilities here, and as a free agent, of course, because the Kraken do have cap space. Like yes. free agency is kind of the one where you could be like, okay, you could just go out and get someone, don't have to give up an asset. But you look at the free agent goalie market and look at it from the player's side. First of all, why would you yeah. want to ever go into this situation where you're you're kind of just this disposable goalie that's being brought in for a limited amount of time? Um, if you're one of the high-end goalies, you want to get as much term as you can on that contract. You don't want to just sign this one-year deal, right? And if you're one of the lower end goalies, you know, that, that is maybe looking for some opportunity. I feel like you can find more opportunity elsewhere where at least there's more of a path to you that doesn't for sure end in March, uh, you know, to, to playing time. Um, so I, I just don't know why any goalie that would be a, a real upgrade that's a free agent would sign with Seattle. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So the Kraken's options are kind of limited there. I think they're stuck with maybe someone in the, the Dustin Tokarski type range. Mm -hmm. That would be my pick out of that group, just for the fun factor of it. You know, the former Spokane chief coming back, he's a smaller goalie, fun to watch. But yeah, I mean, is he the solution? Is he playing 30 games for you? I would hope not. Uh, so the Kraken are in a tough position there. Yeah, I I look at this list and I and I see the like reasonable options being a lot of guys where it's like yeah that would just be their chance at still having an NHL gig. Like otherwise they're basically on their way out. I look at a uh, Calvin Pickard for just for example because he's there and he was drafted in 2010 at the first draft we went to. But like you know what I mean like but you're like no that that was that's not good a 432. Goals against average in the couple games of action he saw in Detroit last year, 875 save percentage. Like, that's not what you want. Ideally, hopefully, Decor plays better than that. You can exist. Otherwise, you know, Scott Wedgwood, again, like on the yeah, upside. Yeah, you hope. I mean, maybe. because he played so well last season, I feel like he's actually going to have better options. It's, it's possible. Yes. Uh, so I mean, that's the problem. Anyone who does has shown some promise there, I think, is just going to have better spots they can land. Yeah, so it's it's going to be a difficult one. Um, still hearing, just when you talked about Ron Francis's comments at, during the exit interviews and everything, just hearing that before this injury, they weren't totally worried or focused on doing it is still weird to me. Because like, even if you don't feel like Decor is the answer, you know he has value league-wide, just trade him. And then it answers the question. Like, don't be like, yeah, no, if we lose waivers for nothing, like, well, so be it. Like, you have power and agency in all of this. 
Right. I, and I, you know, try not to complain as much anymore because I really got on him about in the expansion draft about asset management. Yeah. But asset management, right? <laughs> like, I know. Um, and, and I will say it, it could have just been posturing, too, because yes. as a GM, you, you don't want to be like, yeah, no, we're desperate. We need to move one of these guys. We have no other options. Yeah. We're, our, you know, we're against the wall here. Just someone offer us anything. You know, that's the last thing you want to do. You give up all your leverage. You you want to posture yourself like, yeah, we don't need to make the decision. You know, make make us make it. Right. Um, so I get that. So, you know, maybe that's wasn't really his his real thinking towards it. But still, it the way he talked about to court, especially coming in training camp, yeah, if we lose him, we lose him, you know, didn't instill me with a ton of confidence and, and in, in how he kind of feels about him. And, you know, when, when you've got a guy who's played 14 games in his NHL career and has got an 878 save percentage, I mean, you, you can make the argument that that's how he should be talking about him. Yeah. Yeah. No, until it's, it is one of those until you actually, you know, show it, that's uh, just the way it is. Uh, would you be open to maybe a swap, like like a an underperforming young goaltending swap with the Kraken, where it's just like, hey, maybe a change of scenery just helps both of these guys out, and running with something wait, wait. like that. Wait, what? Swapping Decord for a different yeah. goalie? Yeah, for like another young goaltender who's just maybe struggling in their current spot. Maybe, although I don't, I don't know who else you you would do that with. Um... That's my that, problem. That would look more promising. That's I couldn't find someone on the other end of it really that would look more promising th than Decord. I think you're going to have to deal with a certain level of risk. I think if you wanted to swap Decord for another goal, you could maybe get someone who's um, a little more steady, more of a veteran guy, but who doesn't have as much upside. Who's just going to be a more solid backup for you. Um, but I I don't know that you really want to do that in the in the Kraken's position. You kind of are giving up value whenever you do that because you're giving up the guy with actual upside, you know, for mm -hmm. for more of a career backup type of thing. So I don't know. But you know, the more we talk about this, the more I think Joey Decord is now one of the most important players on the Kraken for next season. It really is. Uh, like I said, he's he's got to take advantage of these opportunities that he's going to get um, just for himself personally, just to prove that he can do it and it gives him value and stuff um, and and for the team, because if he if he looks shaky again in those, it's just going to put that much more pressure on Hackstall to just kind of ride Grubauer and and I just don't want to see him worked into the ground again. Like, it's just. Oh, I don't either. And, and at this point, I'm I'm really worried about it. Yeah, <laughs> because I think that as especially as a coach, especially as probably a desperate coach, you know, g given desperate for wins, I that's kind of what coaches fall back into. We've seen it happen so many times where if you just don't trust the backup, you're going to keep playing your starter until he gets hurt or, you know, mm -hmm. something happens. Um, it's tough. Yeah. So it's um, it's it's going to be a, an interesting situation. It's an unfortunate situation. Again, the yeah. person who by far and away loses the most out of this is Drieger, who let us not forget, let you know, less than a year ago was supposed to be the starter for this franchise, introduced at the expansion draft. Like he really thought he was gonna get that role, and then just a couple days later, Grubauer comes in and we all know how it happened, and then all the injuries last year, of course, never really being able to show himself. Um yep. at, at I, I feel 100%. so bad for, for Drieger too. And he's someone who was always trying to to fix things and work mm -hmm. on his game and uh, we talked about that so much last season and he's just someone you really really want to root for uh and it's just it's sad to see see this happen to him and um and and you like you said uh when talking about Brandon Tanev last season like it's a lonely process rehabbing especially as a goalie too 
Um, it's just going to be a rough season for him, but I mean, he's, he's worked through a lot in his career. I mean, you know, someone who's, who's played in like the ECHL and all that it has worked his way up. You know, I'm confident that he can, can come back and get back to his peak, but it's a long road ahead for him. For, for sure. Uh, let's try to move on to sunnier topics. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Now we got the, the depressing stuff out of the way. Um, there's been some rumbling. So obviously there's been lots of coach movement around the NHL um, as, as happens um, Boston being one of them firing Bruce Cassidy. So Boston is in the market for a, a new head coach and there have been rumors and rumblings of that new head coach coming from the Seattle Kraken. Yes, there have been. I, I believe Elliot Friedman's mentioned it a couple times and um, maybe Pierre Lebrun too. Uh, but yeah, uh, Jay Leach, Kraken assistant coach, former coach of the Providence Bruins, so the, the Boston Bruins AHL team, uh, has been talked about as a potential next coach for the Boston Bruins. And uh, it would make some sense, especially if they kind of go for more of a retool, rebuild. They've got this aging core uh Jay Leach worked with a lot of their younger players in that system. Uh, he's spoken very highly of, and I'm sure, you know, they, they hated to lose him to the Kraken. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's a real possibility to be the Boston Bruins next head coach. So the Kraken might be losing, uh, I would say their top assistant. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, yes, I, I think it's, <laughs> I mean, we could say that at this point, right? I mean, come yeah, on. I, I think, I think everyone's kind of thinking that way, you, you know, it can't be the goalie coach cause they were let go. Uh, and the, the other <laughs> one was in charge of the power play, which arguably was the thing that kind of did them in more nights than anything. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I think so. I, this makes a ton of sense for Boston to do. Uh, it's one of those, the future is uncertain, so you don't necessarily want to try to go out and get like the biggest coaching name possible, uh, partly because that's a hard sell for that person, um, but also because, you know, it's you don't necessarily want to uh, pay the contract that it would take when you don't really know what results you're actually going for entirely anyway. Um, so it makes sense to the, for a job like that to be somebody's first experience with head coaching in the national hockey league obviously experience head coaching the providence bruins like you said very successful there i mean the last time he was there in that um uh, covid shortens uh season of 2020 2021 a record of 15 6 and 4 as the head coach during that season i mean they were just absolutely crushing it uh really all the years he was there was fantastic only one season below 600 uh, points percentage like that's remarkable um and the spots you know head coaching starts he had to do uh with the wilkes bear scranton penguins even before that 833 percentage there so dude dude knows what he's doing certainly at the ahl level i think it could be argued he's he's even shown enough now as an assistant that he should be given that spot uh at the nhl level and whenever you know the organization and the organization knows you and there's that confidence and comfort as far as dealing with the front office, because the AHL head coach has to deal with the NHL club's front office a ton as far as, um, you know, developing those players. That's the first person they're going to come talk to as far as, Hey, we just had an injury up top. Who's looking good right now. Where's everybody at? You know what I mean? They're coming and they're trusting that AHL coach to help them out when it comes to that kind of stuff. So you know that there's a lot of trust already there between everybody involved. 
And we talked about this before in the past with Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins and the NHL club, right? The fact that when you have that co- you know, cohesive process of taking prospects through a system where everybody's on the same page and everybody's trusting and working with each other so that those players are ready to go and get to the NHL and it's a seamless transition for them and you can plug any holes that are popping up at the NHL level with those AHL guys and they can just come in and perform and and play that role and they already understand what that role means like it just everything flows so well for all the organizations that really try to work on that and spend a lot of time doing it. So I think it makes a ton of sense for them to just kind of graduate in a way, the head coach to that process, especially now that he does have a year of assistant coaching experience. I think it would be an excellent hire um, for them. And it just kind of continues this awesome track record for Jay Leach after his, after his playing days are over. Like I said, he's, he's been killing it. He was an assistant in the AHL level, did well there, graduated a head coach, did fantastic, came to the Kraken, thought he did a good job and what he was responsible for, for them. It's, it's just the, it's the next thing he's earned it. Absolutely. It's been kind of this meteoric rise for him since, uh, since stopping playing. I mean, he's only 42. Yeah. That's incredible, uh, you know, to be in those in those head coaching conversations. But I, I'm not surprised. Like when I saw his name mentioned, I mean, I, obviously there's the Providence connection. Um, but, you know, even it could have been any team. I wouldn't have been surprised to, to see his name mentioned because he was so well respected with the Kraken and kind of getting to watch how he operated, you know, day in and day out. Now, we don't get to talk to the assistants, you know, in the uh, the media availabilities. It's always we get Hackstall. But you, you watch enough practice and kind of see him out there um, really kind of taking charge as far as mentoring players and um, being that kind of hands-on, you know, in a lot of ways, the assistant coaches uh, have more of an opportunity to do that than the head coach. The head coach kind of has to look at the bigger picture. The assistant coaches really get to work one-on-one with some of those players. Uh, and we heard the great reviews from Kraken players. I mean, Hayden Fleury, I think, called him uh, the the best D coach he's ever had. Um and, and that's, you know, someone who's received a lot of coaching, a lot of high quality coaching, yeah. you know, over his career getting to this point. And, um, you know, when players speak that highly of an assistant like that and, and often unprompted, too, I mean, um, you know, they, they make sure to bring that up. Uh, it's no surprise to me uh, that, that he's going to I think he will be a head coach in the NHL one day, whether it's this job or something else. Um, and, you know, it's tough potentially for the Kraken to lose an assistant, uh, you know, especially one who's so highly regarded. But when it comes to things like this, I think you've just got to give credit to the Kraken for kind of identifying him in the first place as someone to bring in, yeah. um, you know, having your eyes on guys who uh, are, are having this rise in the coaching ranks and, and bring in good people to the organization. It's never a bad thing. Even if you only have them for one season and lose them, it, it is better to have loved and lost, you know, yes. uh, always better to bring in talent. Um, than than to you know forego that with you know hope, risking that you might lose them. So um, good on Jay Leach being in these conversations. We'll you know we'll see if he gets the job. Um, you know if he does, then we'll we'll have a whole other conversation about okay, well who did the Kraken bring in to replace him? Because that's going to be very difficult. Um, you know, it, on in one sense you're maybe hoping the Kraken don't lose him, but in another you know you just want the best for Jay Leach. Exactly, and I think you know his success working with the defense. It's it's very evident. Just just watch you know games one through five, and then watch the last five games of the season. 
at least for the guys who weren't hurt at that point. But you know what I mean? But like, you know, we, we talked about Vince Dunn early on in the year. I mean, he was pinching up at terrible times. There was a lot of nuances of the NHL game and, and being in some of the roles that the Kraken were putting him in, that he had kind of graduated to coming to the Kraken from St. Louis. His game just got infinitely stronger over the course of the year. And, you know, Jay Leach was a part of that. Uh, the Carson Soucy had tons of potential coming in. Did lots of stuff well, but there were some hiccups here and there that we were seeing. Again, all those things ironed out over the course of the season um, by Jay Leach. And and uh, obviously the players also talked about Adam Larson helping with that kind of stuff. But um, I, I think a lot of it goes to that. And, you know, you, you mentioned he's only 42. This is exactly what we were talking about on that last red glare. The endless recycling yep. of coaches. How nice would it be to see a fresh-faced youngster at all 42 get a get an NHL head coaching gig? I think it's time that, yeah, you know, teams start looking at this next generation of coaches coming up through the AHL ranks and everything. I, I think that that would be a smart move for a team like Boston to, to make. Yep, it's exactly what we were talking about. <laughs> You're talking about yeah. there will be 64 qualified guys. Jay Leach is absolutely one of them. thousand percent. All right, so that got that one out of the way. What's our next topic of news to cover, RJ? Uh, next topic. So I, I don't believe we, we got to this European free agent signing last time. I think we did talk about... Um, um, wow, I can't, can't keep these ones straight. Uh, who was the other one? Uh, the, the yo, uh, yo, that's a good question. <laughs> this is bad. Pause for time. Pause for time. I mean, this is your fault for, for skipping. This wasn't the, the script I was given. We had a different news thing first. Okay. What was, what was that? Let's go the to broadcast the broadcast rankings. That's right. That's right. The broadcast rankings. How could I forget? Um, so, <laughs> okay. The athletic oh man the orders of things in the script it's great um the athletic released their annual broadcast rankings um gosh when was it was it, was it like it was like a, a week ago? two weeks ago a week and a half ago yeah so anyway the athletic released their broadcast rankings and this is the first year that the kraken were involved yeah. uh which is very exciting um and i always like to look at these broadcast rankings uh because you, you get comments too like they they uh you know have comments from fans and i think usually they're they're pretty on point and the kraken did very well didn't they dylan yeah they did remarkably well um for those of you uh who are not athletic uh subscribers except weren't able to to see the article i believe the kraken broadcasting team finished second yeah second out of 32 teams that's pretty good that's very good. Now, you know, there's a there's a part of me that's just like, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> it's not exactly a high bar to clear, am I right? Like, <laughs> but <laughs> but there are still plenty of of good broadcasting crews out there. See, there the are NHL. some good yeah. broadcast teams in the league. It's not like you know a playoff spot where half the league makes it or whatever. Right. You, know, you finish fifteenth. Okay, it's not a high bar. Second, you're competing with some very very good broadcasts. Right, and very established broadcast. I mean, that's that's the territory where you're talking about, you know. Um, play by play and color guys who have been together for decades, like plural, you know what I mean? Sometimes. And you're, you're talking about um, giant media groups and stuff that are in charge of, of everything. You know what I mean? Not to say that like root is small by any stretch of the imagination, but you know what I mean? You're talking about giant corporations uh, involved on some of these. So to, to be up there and to, 
to do as well as they did with a new broadcasting pair. Again, keep in mind, JT Brown, no, no real experience before this. No, like at none. all, like <laughs> not, not radio, not doing college hockey somewhere. Not like nothing. He was a Twitch streamer. You know what I mean? Like that's what he was doing before this. So uh, I think I think it just it just goes to show that not only w- was everybody involved, not just the you know the main two people that we're used to hearing during the game broadcast, but everybody intermission reports, everything. Allison, of course, being a big part of it, all that stuff. Um, just how how dedicated that whole crew was to putting on the best show possible. Because you know you obviously saw that every day working beside them, yes. Uh, through through lots of things, uh, I saw it the few times I was up there. But I I also think just they were very good at listening to the community, being engaged with the community. Like before the season started, you know, you could just see Forslund, you could see JT out and and do at doing things. They were around as things were happening, as the team was launching, and so I think they were able to get a good sense of where the fans were at. And, and it helps them, you know, kind of connect with everybody. And I do know that, like, even when we're doing this, RJ, it's become so much easier to sit here and talk into my little webcam here and not just talk to you, but to talk to the people that I know. Like, I know who I'm talking to and I know what they want to hear and, and what they enjoy and what they don't and, and all that stuff. It takes so much of the mystery out of doing a job like this when you can kind of get that feeling of, okay, I understand who I'm talking to. I know the people I'm talking to. It makes you more comfortable. It makes you able to do your job better. And so I, I think a lot of that early work that they put in uh, really paid off. Yeah, it did. I mean, it makes a big difference when you kind of know the audience. And and from day one, I mean, you know, as soon as they were brought in, yeah. uh, you know, John and JT were, were out in the community. I remember, um, you know, getting to meet both of them at the uh, at the jersey release, which was, you know, a while before the season started, a while before training camp. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and at that point, I didn't know that I was going to be, uh, you know, kind of spending every day covering the team, like, you know, and around them all the time. But, uh, you know, I got to meet them and they were, you know, both of them very friendly and they were out just talking to fans for hours. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think four or five hours just out there nonstop, uh, you know, trying to meet fans and, and get to know the community, get to know everyone. Uh, and, and it's just so much effort that they've that they've put in. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned also about, you know, competing with established broadcasts. It's one of those things. It's really hard to build chemistry, uh, you know, w- with someone and with a whole group of people coming together. I, we saw how difficult it was on the ice, you know, when you look at the on ice product for the Kraken, it's not easy for, for any expansion team for that matter. Uh, And the same thing goes with any broadcast team. And I, you know, even by mid season, it was just kind of seamless, everyone putting everything together. And that takes a whole lot of work. That just doesn't happen automatically with time. You've got to devote the time and the work to your craft. Um, And, and I saw it every day. You, you mentioned, you know, I, I see John and JT working hard at things. I see Allison and also just the whole crew behind the scenes, all the intermission people, yeah. they're around all the time. Um, you know, and, and even people you don't see on TV, you know, Scott Malone is another name I want to mention who's just there every day and, 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 you know, learning and bringing up great stats and um, kind of communicating with everyone. It's just a all around great crew from root sports. Good to see them get this recognition too. Um, and, you know, I think I would even argue maybe it's one spot too low. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, who finished? Who <laughs> finished first? It was the Red Wings broadcast. Interesting. Yeah, I, I only which I know they had ranked bit. 
low in the past. Um, you know, homerism was one of the things that was talked about a lot. Mm. Um, a lot of the comments kind of said they they got worse. They got better as the team got worse. Um, they, you know, there maybe wasn't as much at stake, and so they, uh, you know, leaned Loose off the homerism yeah. a little bit. Started kind of, I don't know, telling more stories. I don't, it's not a broadcast that I would expect to no. to be at the number one spot. Um, so I, I think the path was kind of cleared for the Kraken, but um, I will say nobody has the broadcasting depth that the, that the right. Kraken do. Yes, and that's that's one thing I wanted I wanted to touch on just to give them shout outs was Jen and Piper doing the, the mm -hmm. intermission like player interviews and stuff because it's not often that the broadcast would have two people do that role and then trade off as much as they did and how difficult that is on them and their job because you know you're getting half the amount of time in the building and half the amount of time to prepare around that team you're getting half the amount of time to talk to the players and develop a relationship with them so that you can feel comfortable asking certain questions or they feel more importantly comfortable giving you answers during those especially <laughs> mid-game interviews and stuff so huge props to uh both piper and jen for how they handled all of that stuff um because i think that was also a big part of the the broadcasts and everything too um, and, and again, it, it speaks to the depth that you said, the fact that they could rotate the two of them doing that position, the fact that your intermission crews were rotating people in and out a lot and the broadcasts were staying of the same quality. Uh, it really does speak to that depth. And, and even uh, when you talk about, uh, you know, the 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 play-by-play um, -play and the color commentary on yes. the TV broadcast, you've had people stepping yeah. in for that midseason. You don't yep. always see that, too. You yeah. know, with uh, Everett Fitzhugh stepping in and doing play-by-play, right. you know, with, with Forsland uh, out and doing a fantastic job. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, when JT Brown couldn't be there, Allison, Allison stepping in yeah. and doing excellent color commentary. The depth, I don't think we've ever seen this in a broadcast yeah. crew. Um, you know, it's it's just great to have. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely fantastic. It was uh, well-deserved. And, you know, maybe it was one of those things where you stick them at two because it is the first year. You figure, okay, there's there's some hiccups you can iron out or whatever, and it, and it gives them a place to go. You know, it, yeah, it is hard go. to put, always it is hard to just be like, oh, hey, the new kids. Yeah, you're just the best. You know, even if they are, yeah. it's it. I, I get it a little bit. We, we saw we saw what that did to, you know, Vegas, that kind of early success. Don't want to yeah. get it too. Yeah, gotta, too much. Got to stay hungry. You know what I mean? You got to mm -hmm. you got to really yeah. like work and earn it. But I, I think that this is still an, a lot. And I, I hope that. You know, everything kind of continues the, the way it was just because I hope this is, you know, they see it as, uh, hey, we did a we did a good job. Like, let's let's keep this going. No need to, like, shake yep. anything up, please. Like, I don't want exactly. That. This this is one where I can I, I'm OK kind of being selfish or whatever. Nobody poach Like, just leave it as is. I, I want yeah. I want the good broadcast team around. Uh, I, please just keep it that way. Yes, I, I think it will. Um, all right. So now getting to the, the signings. Uh, the, the name uh, that we were looking for, RJ, the last signing that we had talked about was the Seppala signing. Thank you. That was the, thank you. Petro Seppala. Thank yeah, you. That was the that was the name we were both searching for. Uh, but this is not to talk about him because we already have. This is to talk about the new signing. Do you have their name or do you need that one? Yes. No. Vile Petman. Have right, that one. Go. Got it. That's in the notes. Um Yes, so Vili Petman, um, he's a 22-year-old Finnish forward, 5'10", mm -hmm. 180, uh, and he kind of had this offensive explosion that 
I, I think really kind of came out of nowhere. If you just look at the counting stats last yeah. season, uh, you know, in the Finnish Liga, went from two points in 40 games two seasons ago to 39 points this past season. So something clicked for him. Uh, it's hard to tell exactly what, because we don't have a lot of film. We, we tried looking for some yeah. video of this guy. I think we only found one, one goals worth of video. Yeah. Is that correct? Have you seen more than that? No, I have not. I've seen um, that, so that one goal several times though. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we're, we're kind of left to, to guess a little bit more. I'm confident that the Kraken's European scouts have seen more than that uh, and have seen something that, that they've liked. Um, but I, I say this every European free agent signing, always a good idea, no risk to it. Uh, and this is something that we're probably going to see even more of going forward just because the Kraken do have to fill out an entire AHL roster in Coachella Valley. I would expect uh, Petman to kind of go there first. Sounds like that's what the organization expects for him too. And we could really see what he can do on North American ice. Right. Um, that, first off, I, I also got to assume you're just loving the fact that all these signings are also Finnish. Yes, I, I do love me some Finnish hockey. Um, in in the, all the international tournaments and stuff, you know, they're they're the country I root for, aside from USA. So love to see these Finnish signings. Can never have too many Finns. Exactly. So uh, I do want to touch just about the the offensive explosion that he had this year. Obviously, his shooting percentage jumping from a two point two percent to eleven point eight will obviously kind of do that for you just a little bit. <laughs> um, I'm on the Liga website right now. I was hoping to get ice time because I really, really truly believe that this is one of the uh, you know kind of classic european examples of they they give out ice time there based on seniority you know what i mean yep. and so this being his fourth uh year in liga it it just makes sense that he probably a lot of this is just because he's getting actual ice time now you know what i mean you're not yeah, playing that'll do it eight minutes that'll a help. night or something you double that you can expect generally double production something you know what i mean along those lines so i think that really is what a lot of this has to do with and as we know just from talking about the kraken and, and talking about young players with them and all that kind of stuff that ice time it's not just about oh more opportunities to score like like my production kind of stays like it it doubles with the ice time no it goes up exponentially because that additional ice time it's more practice reps you get more comfortable with the speed of the game you build that much more chemistry with your line mates you get more opportunities to just do everything and it is it is one of those things where there's kind of like an exponential jump to a point it plateaus at some point um but um, unlike RJ's constant graphs that always just lead to like decay and everything falling <laughs> off, uh, th these are ones that, you know, it, it leads to significant jumps. And so I think that's very much something that, that kind of happened here um, with Petman. And so I'm, I'm in, excited to see kind of then what that translates to for the AHL. Obviously, Kraken have to fill a whole roster this year. So these signings will certainly help them do that for the Firebirds. Um, but excited to see, yeah, how much time they can give him and, and what he does with it. Yeah, he's going to have opportunity. And, you know, when you look at the shooting percentage, maybe it's not two, maybe it's not 11, but 11 feels more sustainable than two. <laughs> yeah, a thousand percent. <laughs> so much more. That's, that's like, Jonas Donskoy territory is two percent. Yeah, that's it's ridiculously low. Even the year before that, he had two goals in 40 games. That was 5.9 percent. Like that's more in line with somebody who's playing but not getting a lot of looks, you know? Like, again, shooting percentage, especially if you're playing like eight minutes a night or something, you're maybe getting one good shot 
look yeah. a game. It's hard to make adjustments or, or get into a groove at all doing that. And so, yeah, so easy for those streaks to go down. Yeah, when, when your shooting percentage is around the fat content in your milk, you know <laughs> that you're due for some positive regression. Well, that's a good one. How long have you been hanging on to that one, RJ? About 15 seconds, but I need to make sure to get it out there. <laughs> oh, that's a really good one. Stick that one on a shirt and sell. Merch, merch link in the description merch, plug below. The merch, plug the merch. <laughs> oh, man. RJ, so we were worried about, about time, but you know what? We're, we're closing in on 50 minutes here. We, we did pretty darn good. Yeah, we did. You know what? I, yeah, of course, you tell me before we start recording. Oh, yeah, we're going to be 20 minutes. We're not going to hit anything. Yes. Look at that. We found a way to talk about things. We are look at how much time my my uh, you know misorder of the things and not having you know the prospect name ready. Look how much time that got us. That was at least a minute, I'm sure. I was gonna say it's we we finally fulfilled the prophecy that our uh, our respective mothers have have complained about us. We are time wasters. I can officially say it. <laughs> yep. And you know what? It's good. <laughs> we this are time. wastes of time. Yes. <laughs> Let's go. And you know what? I, I have one more thing I want right. to bring up and talk about. Let's talk about hey, real it. quick because it's just a quick hit kind of thing. Yeah. So those of you who, uh, you know, check Instagram every day and follow all the players, uh, you may have noticed something interesting uh, the other day. Mm -hmm. And now on the Discord, we had some people asking a few days ago, would the Kraken sign PK Subban? Now, he is an unrestricted free agent. Uh, coming up and you know we, we had a nice conversation about that looked at the pros and cons uh, you know as happens on the discord um, again plug in the discord like if you're not already on there go check it out great hockey conversations every single day where we get to talk about this stuff um, but anyway that conversation kind of came and went and you know Subban is, is someone that oh maybe you know right-handed the third pair or whatever but interesting thing on Instagram uh, PK Subban yesterday was hanging out with a couple Kraken players, Daniel Sprong and Matty Beneers. Yeah. Uh, what, so that was kind of cool to see. It, it was very cool to see. Uh, I believe they were at an F1 event, right? That's, yes, that's they were at an F1 event. That was all about. And I'm trying Formula to... one, very popular now. Yes. Uh, it's amazing what a Netflix show will do to you. Are you listening, NASCAR? Please. Uh, we're gonna, I, I meant to mention this earlier when we were talking about the ACL thing, the, the fact that, you know, you, you said you were hoping it wasn't so bad because you saw Drieger walking around. You can a thousand percent walk around on an ACL. In fact, in like older patients that'll, that'll tear an ACL or something, you'll just, they'll just leave it because as long as it's not too bad, like you can just exist. Yeah. You know, if you're not looking to be an athlete, uh, you don't necessarily need it. Um, yeah. So just, just want to talk about that. Denny Hamlin did a whole NASCAR season mm -hmm. with a torn ACL once. Didn't, didn't. Joe Thornton played a playoff right. series on it. Yeah. It's, you know, skating. I mean, we would talked not about recommend that. that. No, we talked about that with Tanev. You know what I mean? Like as a skater, it's not as big a deal in hockey because it's not quite the mm -hmm. same movements and stuff because you're skating, not running and, and planting. There's not as much lateral movement. Don't tell kids on the car that he's made a whole career on it but um <laughs> so just just want to throw that out there but yes getting back to this other thing i'm trying to find the picture too because i thought i think it was maddie beneers who was in that sweet reebok shirt like i saw that shirt and i was like i have never seen that reebok shirt before but that looks dope yeah let me take a look i, I think i saved it. yeah it was that reebok shirt yeah that was maddie beneers that that is a cool shirt yeah i thought that was a really dope uh one i'll i'll throw up the picture again on the on the youtube version of this just so everybody could see the shirt that i'm i'm meeting but uh you know it's interesting nhl community it's a small community it's a small world we know that for various reasons we know that from our own personal experience 
players all tight knit group. I mean, you look at Matty Benier's Instagram page. The last post was him hanging out with Trevor Zegers not that long ago too. So um, it's one of those things. Everybody likes hanging out with each other. Uh, but yes, if, if if the rumblings, at least amongst fans wanting Subban, here's an example of they can at least get along. Like that's something. Yeah. No, it certainly doesn't mean anything as far as what the GMs decide to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, we see, hey, you no, know, the Kraken are not bringing in Trevor Zegras. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's good that, you know, they, they get along. You know, it would be a, a good start there. I think, you know, in terms of just knowing some people, getting along with people, uh, you know, and with Daniel Sprong, of course, being an RFA, good to see he's getting along with Matty Beneers. That's probably, you know, smart on his part there. Uh, um, but yeah, good to see them hanging out. And um, I think PK Subban on his Instagram um, had a post that just with, with Maddie just saying, next gen, you're up. So game recognized game. Yeah, I mean, hey, Maddie, Maddie more than earned it in that uh, oh, yeah. 10 games. So um, excited to see that. Uh, it's going to be such a fun. I mean, it's already been a fun offseason, but it's going to be even more fun once the, the Stanley Cup kind of wraps up and um we, we move into the draft and everything. And uh, also because, you know, you mentioned, yes, we were talking about this on the Discord. I believe this is our first deep dive since we launched the Discord. So maybe, maybe we'll just go ahead and say that for anybody who's made it this far and isn't already enough of, you know, a fan of ours to, to not know of the Discord. We did launch a Discord for the community to all interact with each other and stuff. Kind of a centralized place where you can just... For the most part, just talk about hockey, talk a lot about Kraken hockey, lots of dedicated channels for that. Uh, lots of people have been having fun. I've, oh my gosh, I've enjoyed all of the, the, the like deep diving into the draft stuff everybody's been doing, especially these last 24 hours. It does, it does this young old heart good this, this <laughs> former scouts heart so so good to see it all um but everybody's been having a, a, an absolute blast on there the the playoff chats have been fantastic through all the playoff games and everything so you know we've already been giving shout outs to everybody for for making it such an awesome space but go ahead and do it one more time big thanks to everybody because as i said on the um red glare it is not something that like you and i can sustain and do you know what I mean? Like a discord is very much something that the community has to, has to do and make work. And, and they totally are. And it's just been so awesome. And, and thank you to everyone who's on it. Yeah. Like, like you said, it's not something, you know, we can do by ourselves, just talking amongst ourselves. You need that community. And, and we're so lucky that we have it. Um, and, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about it, if you're, you know, maybe mm -hmm don't really know so much how discord works or you're new to discord don't worry there's a bunch of people on there that like this is their first experience with discord it's just kind of a fun forum type thing you know you, you sign up it's real easy you know it doesn't doesn't cost you a thing um and uh you know go on there take a look see if you like it it's gonna be it's you know if you maybe are, are a little older more used to kind of forums things like that mm -hmm. that sort of thing just you know chatting with other people uh, and it's a great community give it a try Yep, it's been totally awesome. It's been a nice way to stay connected with everybody too, uh, with us not having the like live post games and stuff, every all, and stuff. It's been it's been really good, and that's what we were hoping for. Uh, always amazed at how successful some of our stuff ends up, RJ, because of this awesome community. Know, right? But uh, at some point, we'll have to stop being surprised. But you know, it's 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 like the it's like I would say with the broadcasting rankings. You know, you don't necessarily want to be on top, and you don't want to be thinking of yourself on top. You got to stay hungry. Got to stay innovative. Got to it's, it's it's when everybody's at their best. It's as the Lightning said. You know, when in the Eastern Conference again, they were just like, yeah, no, the Colorado's the best team. Boy, were they right. 
Oh, man. All right. So on that, we'll go ahead and leave this episode of The Deep Dive. Uh, thanks for being patient, everybody, as uh, we, we let the news stack up a little bit to, to give us enough to talk about for this one so that we weren't having to kill too, too much time. Um, it's uh, It's been fun and uh, definitely going to be a little bit more regular as as we're, what, uh, two and a half weeks from the draft now? So it's getting really Oh, yeah. Close, it's going to so. ramp up for sure. I think we'll even have some emergency podcasts that we'll need to yeah. put out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So uh, stay tuned for that, everybody. And uh, we will see you all next time.